Welcome back to the Homes at Home podcast, the only Great Lakes podcast that still has a perfect bracket in the 8th Man's Quarantine Cup. Today is Sunday, April 19th, and we're all supposed to be in Charleston, West Virginia, where we'll be cheering on other Great Lakes teams at U.S. Quidditch Cup. Instead, we're here in our homes listening to podcasts. I sit down with Liam Zock of Ball State, and we talk about his take on the Quidditch community and what it's like to be a younger player after I interview so many older folk out there. We talk about his journey as an athlete and how he has stepped up in leadership, how he relates to older players, and how he's using that experience to become a better coach and a better leader. We then take some of your mailbag questions and finish with some off-topic talk. Did you know that Liam streams on Twitch? Listen on to hear his channel. See you there. Welcome back to the Homes at Home podcast, the only Great Lakes podcast. I am your host, Matt Dwyer, the Great Lakes Regional Coordinator. And with me today, he has two working shoulders. It's Liam Zach. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's pronounced Zach. Sorry, I should have said that before we started. Oh, <laughs> it's right. like Bach. It's German, you know. Um, oh, okay. I've had, that, I've had that a lot with people. But yeah, it's Good me. to know. Head coach of Ball State um, here and... Uh, tragically not playing at the cup today that's right we are recording it is april 18th it's also my mom's birthday happy birthday oh, happy birthday my Matt mom Dwyer's mom <laughs> yeah my my dad forgot to buy a different candle so the cake said 57 so we're just going with she's 57 again this year <laughs> you know the the younger the better as they always say yeah yeah we had a we sang her happy birthday over zoom because all of us kids live in different locations now, and also we're social distancing. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way he can do it as, uh, these days. Yeah, but back to the actual topic of, <laughs> the, of the content. The podcast. Yeah, uh, we are, today was supposed to be U.S. Quidditch Cup. It was. How are you feeling about that? You know, it's sad that we're not there. Um, I was out for the entire season, and a lot of people had questions why. Uh, I had three shoulder surgeries. And it was supposed to be, like, my big return debut. And, you know, we're not playing in it. <laughs> and uh, I was, I don't know, I was just real excited. And it sucks that it's been canceled, postponed, whatever the proper term is. But I get why, and it's probably a good thing that it is. Um, so that's how I'm, how I'm feeling about it. Yeah, I know a lot of people are having some disappointment. I've seen some sentiments on Twitter and stuff like that. I had what I thought was a funny joke the other day where I said, you know, we hosted in West Virginia. And <laughs> so everyone started singing Country Roads Take Me Home. And this wasn't quite what I had in mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just, I'd love to ball out, but I'd rather not cause more to this pandemic. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's so we, while we're disappointed, I mean, it did. It was part of the impetus of creating this podcast was yeah. keeping people engaged with Quidditch while it's currently canceled. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for joining me today. And I hope we can we can stay some of the woes of people not being able to party in Charleston, West Virginia, as we watch some great Quidditch and see our old friends. So let's uh, let's start with this. Now, my all my previous guests have been in Quidditch <laughs> for a while, uh, not as long as me. Because I'm yeah. old, uh, which we'll get into, but we'll, they've all—they're we'll all at least out of college. And now you are in school and I'm only been school. playing for a couple years. Mm -hmm. So, what has your Quidditch journey been so far? Um, well, I've played 
a lot of sports like my whole life. I played football for 10 years. I wrestled for 14. Um, I did track and baseball for eight and six respectively. So I've been around sports a long time. And then I broke my shoulder in high school, my junior year. So I couldn't play sports anymore. And I just lifted my senior year. Uh, and then coming into college, you know, I was looking for something to do. Um, I had found volleyball, which I loved, but it's hard on your shoulders. Um, Quidditch is too, as I found out, but uh, I came to a Quidditch practice and I just kind of stuck around for the community that embraced me. And I've always had really good sports knowledge. You know, I played linebacker. Uh, I'm good at reading plays and I just kind of fell into doing something that gave me that fire that I used to have. I got onto the Ball State team and we didn't have a great season uh, my freshman year. You know, we got runner-ups at regionals this year. We did pretty good. Uh, I felt like um, we were the first team to beat Michigan in, our, in the region. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there, you know, that, like, we're obviously doing good work. And the help of Max Jolly and me and Nick, we kind of led our team to greatness, in my opinion. I have to say I was very impressed with the contrast between your team last year and your team this year. Now, last year you were still able to qualify for nationals, yeah, uh, but it was a much more difficult path. I think we were at fifth or fourth in the region last year, uh, maybe even sixth. We were the bottom. Uh, to get, we we're the last team to get the the bid. I'm pretty sure. Um, I remember that, and and kind of a pseudo do or die game against Grand Valley. Yep, we were told that we didn't like the Grand Valley game didn't matter before the game, and then halfway through the game, we were told it did matter, and we were like freaking out. But it turned out we were fine. We definitely were not as much of a team as we are this year, last year. Um, like last year, there was just a lot of problems. Our coach didn't really want the spot that he got, and he had to kind of step up into a role he wasn't ready for. And transitioning into this year, I really wanted to coach, and Max really wanted the teams to succeed. Um, and Nick was around to help us, especially the first half, and he tried to stick around as much as he could the second half. And we just had a lot of people contributing. Connor, Million, um, played intensity over the summer and gave him a lot of experience and he was a big part uh list prime too she helped the team helped me with coaching um ally as well you know she i didn't know what i was doing and she kind of taught me a lot with her uh what she's studying now she's trying to be a teacher and she helped me a lot with that too that's awesome that's really great to hear that you have this this connection not only through Quidditch, but also in an actual real-world application. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that Quidditch isn't the real world. Yeah, but, true. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so how how did you find Quidditch? Were you a, a Harry Potter fan growing up? Do you Not particularly. I mean, I read the books and um, I saw the movies, but it wasn't like I saw Quidditch and I was like, oh, that's crazy, you know. Um, I was just kind of walking around our activity fair and I saw the hoop and I was like huh I wonder what Quidditch is like in real life and I came out to a few practices and I ended up sticking around I really enjoyed seeking more than anything because it felt like I was wrestling again and I had to end my wrestling career for a few reasons and one being my shoulder um so you know it was definitely like I felt like I was back in my element much more than I was like with volleyball or something like that so it's kind of how I st got into it very cool that's good to hear I like because a lot of the people I talk to, they're very, you know, Harry Potter oriented and then they kind of fall into the sport. Like, that's what I was. I mean, you know, I, like I, I played sports all throughout my life, all through high school. Uh, and so, like, 
transitioning as an athlete was fine, but I was initially drawn to it because of Harry Potter. It's nice to hear someone who just had like a passing curiosity and the athletic portion was really what made you stick with it. I mean, yeah. Uh, if There's also a large part, like the community around it, the people that got me involved, if they weren't like good people, I probably wouldn't have stayed. And Ball State Quidditch is really a family. And that, even last year, like, yeah, we weren't as good of a team, but we still had that family element. And I felt like really embraced. So I stayed on. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Love to hear that. So as I alluded to earlier, you are the youngest of the people that I have interviewed so far. I feel like you probably have a much fresher and different perspective because we're not going to sit here and wax poetic about the good old days, quote unquote, or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, oh yeah, don't you remember this old World Cup or whatever? And like, yeah, definitely, definitely. (laughs) <laughs> this weird old person, because you're you're relatively fresh faced to the sport. You've only been to one national tournament. Yep. What's it What's it like for you being a young person in the sport, specifically when you have all these old farts like me sticking <laughs> around? I mean, yeah, it's not like a problem. It's just there's been a lot of times I feel like, especially for me, where it feels like they think they feel like. I, I think they know more than me, right? Just because I'm a young person. And um, it feels like a lot of times they don't look past what your Quidditch experience is. Like, if someone looked at me and they were like, oh, he's been playing for two years. And then I'm like, well, I played football for 14. Like, <laughs> I've been doing sports since I was in diapers as early as I could and been doing them very seriously. Like, you know, in high school, I was trying to get I was looking to play sports in college until I broke my shoulder um, and I was lifting big weights for someone my size. And it's just crazy to me that people like don't really look past that. They don't look at your merits um, past what they see in this sport because Quidditch is the youngest sport that I can think of like around right now um, that's trying to be more. It reminds me of esports sometimes with how things function, which is a weird comparison, but there's so much change all the time comparatively like to an eSport where you're constantly updating the game, you're constantly making rule changes, get, introducing new like heroes or champions in a certain game. Um, same way in Quidditch, you're changing rules. Like There used to be off-pitch seeking and it used to be circle pitches. And But yeah, I don't know. Being young and um, just seeing how the sport's been ever-evolving and for someone older than me to just like look at what I've done and say they're automatically better than me because they have more experience or they've been to four Quidditch Cups, um, which has happened to me before. I've had someone straight up say like, uh, you know, I'm better than you because I've been to this many Quidditch Cups or something. And I'm like, I mean, I've seen more. I've seen hundreds of hours of film by now. Like I've been studying the sport nonstop. Um, I, when I get on the grind, I'm on the grind. Um, and just because you've been to more cups and you've had more playtime doesn't mean you're better than me. Like, and it shouldn't matter. Like, you should want to help young kids improve rather than put them down. And you should listen to what they have to say because a lot of times it's like really enlightening. You know, next year at the t- we're one of my problems with Ball State is that we're not a very physical team and uh, like our raps aren't super good. But besides like Max, right? Um, so I really want to push 
better wraps next year and better tackling form, stuff like that. And just because I'm young doesn't mean I don't know how to do that, you know? I think that's all very good points. And you specifically drawing a line to your sports experience throughout high school and middle school and wherever, like saying that you played so many years of football, for example, that gives you infinitely more knowledge about tackling than me who didn't play a full contact sport until Quidditch. And I like I I like being able to draw the line here that you've said between like sports IQ and Quidditch IQ. Because I know people who have been playing Quidditch for a very long time, but they don't have very high sports IQ. Like simple spatial awareness and like how to perform physical activities like making a cut or like, you know, faking with your hips as opposed to your chest, your head, or like stuff like that that's ingrained, like innate sport things. (laughs) I don't have a better word for it, but like sport actions uh, that you're going to, no matter what sport you play, if you can do those actions, you will have a leg up as opposed to other people. And um, I know, especially like things like making a cut. I've seen so many people never who have never made a cut before. And the first time they try, they like roll their ankle. And I'm like, hey, do it this way instead. And then you can do this cut without rolling your ankle again. And then they do it and they're like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And in that moment, I'm like, now I wish someone older than me would listen to me like this instead of saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about and like putting me down. <sighs> I, that's incredible. And I'm sorry that that's happened No, it's okay. It's, it's just, it's happened to me before and it's just frustrating when someone like doesn't listen to you because you're younger than them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm sure at some point in my career I've done that and to yeah. whomever it was, I apologize. But it's, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to be wrong Like, it's hard to admit that you're wrong or that you don't know something. And that's something I've definitely had to learn over the years. Like, I I like to think of myself as having a relatively high sports IQ and an okay Quidditch IQ. But to get to higher levels of play, to, like, really understand the fluid motion of the game and what changes I need to make to my game to make it better... It's, it would be difficult if I had some 18-year-old kid who had just been playing for six months tell me what I needed to do different. I, I mean, I, I'd like to think that I am mature enough that I would really <laughs> listen yeah. and like analyze my game and see what they were suggesting would be correct mm-hmm. at the same time. It's very it's easy to... Yeah, it's, it's easy to write someone off and say... Well, this kid, you know, he doesn't well, know what's going on. And, like, the other thing is, I I can hardly remember a time where I've corrected someone on specific Quidditch mechanics. It's always been, like, throwing form or um, how to, like, changing the way your foot hits the ground so you can move faster. Stuff like that, right? It's not like I'm saying, you know, you need to be in this position because of this person could be here on the Quidditch pitch. It, it's not like I'm trying to go out of my way to say, like correct them on their Quidditch knowledge. It's just raw mechanical stuff that I've developed for years and years and years that's ingrained into my body to the point where, like, I don't even have to think about making a cut, right? Um, I know a lot of people, when they are driving down the field, they have to think about that. They have to think about when they're going to spin. And for me, that's natural because I've been doing that for so long. And I don't know. It's just been a frustrating process trying to help people because I'm coaching now, you know, and it's it's frustrating to try to help people in that sense when they're older than you without making it weird. 
So now you you are coaching after having a small amount of experience. I I don't mean to downplay your amount of experience. You no, have okay. roughly it's, two I, years I, of experience. No, I was going to say there's a, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you look at some of the other coaches in uh, like MLQ or even other college teams. They're usually juniors or seniors. Or uh, in MLQ, usually people who have some club experience. How do you feel? How do you feel this dynamic works? with you being the age that you are with the unique set of experiences that you have and the frustrations that you've just described being able to instruct other people who may or may not have more experience than you? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, especially being young, is that whenever you approach someone, you have to do it constructively, especially if you know they're not going to respond well. Um, and if that's outside of practice, it's outside of practice. If it's you know, you have to pull them aside and explain every little thing, then it's every little thing. You have to cater to them, especially if you're younger than them, because you need you have to get them to listen to you. Otherwise, your game plan doesn't work, right? At the end of the day, you are the coach, and what you need to do on the field, it needs to be done. You have to get your game plan ready for whatever the next big game is, whatever the next opponent is. You need people to listen to you. From what I've garnered and what I gathered easiest way to do it is like you know they have to respect you and they need to respect your opinions so showing that you have the knowledge is the best way to do that admitting when you're wrong has really been a big part of it too for me um there's been a lot of times where like i'll say something and then i'll talk to my assistant coach and i'll be like yeah i fucked up like wait can i curse on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) i asked the same question i guess we haven't really been cursing if usq wants to republish that megan anderson i will i will send you a bleeped version okay um admitting when you're wrong and saying like yeah i messed up (laughs) um look you have to be able to put your best foot forward and like tell your team that you're not infallible and there's going to be times that you could be wrong um and I did that for my team and, you know, they respected that I had was honest with them. And I think that that's what you have to develop that connection. I think that's a very good point. I personally would be I would find it difficult to say <laughs> I was wrong because yeah. you you're it's like a it's like a position of power. Like yeah. if you if you are the knowledgeable person, you're the coach, you're the leadership, you have commanded the respect, you are now in like a position of authority. And mm-hmm. when you admit that you're wrong, I think a lot of people and like my personal self-doubts and whatever would feel that you're relinquishing some authority when you need to admit your fault. But when you really think about it, admitting your faults and understanding them is the sign of a strong leader. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'd recommend it for any coach, like make sure your players aren't scared to talk to you. That was one, one thing I struggled with for so long was just trying to get my players to talk to me about stuff. And, you know, eventually we got to it where I could get them to talk in practice and talk to me outside of practice. Um, that's another really hard part about college is that you have a really weird dynamic because, you know, at the end of the day, off the field, you're all friends and you all hang out together and on the field, you know, there's a power dynamic, you know, I'm the coach and you're the player and this is how it is like, and it's weird. And, you know, sometimes it's really frustrating, but you have to toe that line and be that coach sometimes. 
It definitely is a, a strange dichotomy, even more so exacerbated in college, because like you said, you're hanging out with these people all the time. You're taking classes with them. You see them in the dining hall or wherever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is weird. I To this day, I still have ex-teammates who call me coach. Yeah. Uh, and it's I've I haven't been your coach for five years, but yeah. I'm, I'm still coach. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I imagine on that club team, it's a little different. Like you could I, ma- I imagine most of them aren't like hanging out all the time and whatnot but on a college team you know i see the people i coach every day like we eat together at lunch and we hang out outside of practice and sometimes you got to be the bad guy and you have to be ready emotionally mentally for that like sometimes you got to tell your friends like hey nut up or shut up like you can't just like keep uh rolling up to practice late or you can't do this or hey but sometimes you know it's great because then you can tell your friends like hey you did really good at practice i'm proud of you and then you see a little twinkle in their eye and they're happy, you know? It's it's a weird thing you got going on. <laughs> it is. And it's it's hard because like you have to make that separation personally, mm-hmm. being like coach at practice and then friend outside of practice. But yeah. they need to make that separation too. And yeah. they need to see that and and that's hard to do, especially in college. Oh, yeah. That is so <laughs> hard to do. It, oh, Liam's yelling at me because I'm not catching <laughs> with two hands or whatever. It's yeah. because he hates me. No, he, he just wants you to perform well. This is his role right now. He's not yelling you for not using two hands outside of practice, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. And um, I think definitely since I didn't, I wasn't like in a big position my freshman year and I was friends with my coaches it really helped me get outside that comfort zone. But I've also been like, you know, I was like captain on my JV team. And I, when I lettered varsity year, my, um, I helped like develop my play uh, or defensive playbook with my coach. And he was like, yeah, you would have been a captain for varsity this year, but you broke your shoulder. So there's not much you can do about that. You know? And I was like captain for wrestling and stuff. So I've been in a step above people before, but it was never any, never anything like coaching, (laughs) um a quidditch team for sure yeah it's very it's a difficult thing switching gears a little bit you are on the rules team for usq and most people that you see volunteering in usq especially in high impact roles like rules team or gameplay or even like myself as a regional coordinator most most people have been around for a little bit how did how did uh getting on rules team come about uh, it was at the end of the summer. Um, since I was injured during intensity, I spent a lot of time with Allie, and she was really pushing me to get on rules team, and she was pushing Eric Schneer to get on rules team. I think I hope I said that right. Schneier. Schneier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it's it's a difficult name. Uh, it's like Zach, you know. Um, but yeah, she was pushing him to like get me on there, and Eric was like really happy to have someone from Great Lakes and Young on the team because he hasn't really had that before. You know, it's it was definitely a weird dynamic because everybody was like, uh, like Ricky Nelson and Clay, uh, Clay is on the team, and there's all kinds of people who are real, much older than I am, on the team, and you know I've I had I have to fight those battles. Like, <laughs> I felt like they weren't doing a really great job of remembering that college teams are also affected by their rule changes. And I really noticed that when I got on and like some of the stuff they had said, and I was like, that's not what college is like in the Great Lakes example so one of them had said that like there's a lot of community players that like still coach their college teams and i was like there's not a single great lakes team that has that (laughs) that i can think of at least um 
there's not a single like Great Lakes team that I could like name off the top of my head that's doing really well in a region who has a community coach. And Midwest, there's a couple, maybe, and that's what it's like in the South, Northeast, but Great Lakes is not like that at all. And there's it was stuff like that that really, once I got on the team, I was like, okay, I need to be ready to like not back down from these people. Because if I do back down and then my region is affected, I'm going to feel like it's you know, that's on me and I'll be upset because these changes have affected my region and I could have done something different. So, um, stuff like that. I, I really wish a lot of younger kids would get involved in that kind of stuff. I, w- I had an application ready for snitch, uh, team too. the snitch team. I forget what they're called. I don't know if that's proper, uh, coordinator perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was like the, the people who decide the snitch stuff. I don't, I don't remember what it was called, but it wasn't us. <laughs> it wasn't the rules team um and i had an application ready for that too but i was too young to put it in and i was like this sucks <laughs> i want to help um so now i'm on the rules team doing what i can fighting the good fight i will stick up for usq a little bit here <laughs> and i and i don't know about no, the okay. qualifications of the snitch coordinator or whatever it was, that it was like th- three years or something but um, okay uh I, you know that makes sense uh but there are yeah. i i don't want people to think like oh if i just go for a volunteer position they'll just tell me i'm too inexperienced there are so many volunteer positions and things that you can lot. do with usq like any any young people that are I, listening yeah. to this you can <laughs> I was gonna just say, dive right in when i um went to sign up for like rules team i like saw all the stuff i could also volunteer for and i was like that's a lot i'm just gonna do rules team for now there's I'm so ha- much i'm happy with that yeah there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Um, so people do volunteer, please. Please do. It, it has been a good decision that I made to help volunteer. Uh, I, I was going to say, I really have been enjoying my time on rules team too. Like I've never really written a rule book before and like going through and like, they're all great people. Um, and like going through, it's like really interesting to like hear the different sides. Cause I don't, you know, I don't have like a lot of relationships outside in the Quidditch community outside the Great Lakes. So when I hear like these different perspectives, I'm like, wow, that's actually like, you know, that's interesting because I haven't heard that before. And that's what it's like over there. Yeah. Quidditch is very different between regions. People oh, tend yeah. to forget that uh, the, the community dynamics are different. The team dynamics are different. Mm-hmm. The gameplay is different. Different. It's pretty um, it's pretty wild. That was one of my big thoughts when I watched uh, Midwest regionals versus Great Lakes regionals and saw how they were playing versus how we were playing. I was like, wow, this is really different like it's not just like i've been to i went to nationals last year and it felt like everybody kind of had the same game plan going in but when you see like just the regions versus each other it's different like people should definitely like get involved and watch other regions and see what's going on i completely agree so we've talked about you being a new coach and also being new to the rules team Mm -hmm. how do you think those two roles affect one another um well, definitely, like, you know, I'm thinking about next year, like, knowing the rules I do now, what's going to change for my team and how we're going to play different and figuring out what would best benefit my team. I have to make sure that I don't just, like, legislate a rule around what I think is going to be best for my team, you know? I feel like my voice is really more for our region than anything a lot of the times. When I'm arguing against a rule and when I'm arguing for a rule, it's usually something safety wise i think would be the best like um i can't really name anything specific (laughs) but uh 
like just safety wise, you know, arguing for stuff like that. Uh, for example, football, they changed um, head contact in this last year. Uh, stuff like that, it'd be stuff I'd be looking into. Um, and if I want to change something, you know, they're always open to hear me out, which is really nice. They, I think they kind of bounce off each other, and sometimes you have to make sure you're not letting your biases come into play. But sometimes you got to let your biases come into play. Uh, I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. But there, there was a few times this year where I was like, I'm. I'm quite certain this is not how this rule was intended to be interpreted. And then when I was right and I check with the rule team, I'd be like, Hey, ref, this isn't how the rule is supposed to be used. And he was like, Okay, but he wouldn't listen to me. So that yeah, that is that is difficult. But that's an interesting position that you're put in because there's this kind of. You played Dungeons and Dragons by chance. Yes. <laughs> so have you heard the phrase like rules as interpreted or rules as written? Mm-hmm. So for for those that don't play, there is like a set rule book, so to speak, of Dungeons and Dragons of like how things are supposed to work, how the game mechanics are supposed Dungeon to work. Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook. Yeah. Yeah. Go pick it up. Uh, and there is this kind of debate between rules as written and rules as interpreted, where rules as written is you would take the literal meaning of how a rule is written, like how a spell is cast or or how a player interacts with an object. But sometimes those literal interpretations can Bad. create some weird <laughs> nuance. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so there's there's some like interpretation that you need to do and if you're playing with one dungeon master versus another or one player versus another they may have a different interpretation of that so that's kind of interesting that you would have this perspective of being on the rules team and being able to see like how things were meant to be quote unquote and then seeing how they're implemented in the real world and oh well that's we didn't intend that but this is how it is i mean it and it's like that sometimes you know um there's a lot of things that, like, in the rule book that should just be also in the case book. They should more clarify it. Um, and that's something I pointed out. Hopefully it will change next year. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, when it's like reading the encumbrance rule in D&D, right? Or the injured rule. Like, when you fall out half your HP, you're supposed to be, like, injured or something. And most DMs don't do that because it slows down combat and it, combat's already slow enough as it is. Yeah, I definitely um, don't do that rule. <laughs> or like the encumbrance rule is like, I think like half, if you're carrying half your weight, you're encumbered and you move at like half the speed. And a lot of DMs don't do that either because it's just tiring to deal with. <laughs> Quick D&D rule fact check. I think it's like, <laughs> like it has to do with your strength score and you can carry yeah. like so many pounds. Like there's some calculation with your modifier there. or something. Yeah. It's, it's just. Not, we don't we don't want to get a, the nerds on your tail. Yeah, that's about true. This. That's true. There, I mean, there's just I'm a very a lot of this. I'm I'm DM'd a lot of games and I've cut a lot of rules out just because I'm like I don't want to deal with this. So, all right, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we answer your mailbag questions. are back matt and liam here and it's time to answer some of your mailbag questions uh first up here uh from danny who are your quidditch role models players coaches refs anyone 
I would like to clarify. He also says yeet, which I feel like is an important part of the of the mailbag question. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped over the yeet, and all caps yeet from Danny. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, Max, I've mentioned him a lot. Um, Max Jolly, you know, he's on the Ball State team. I really look up to him. Nick Kaufman, he's a good buddy of mine. Um, you know, he's been playing quite a while. He broke his collarbone. And, you know, I broke my shoulder. I feel like we're, we bonded over recovering from injuries a little bit. You know, Nathan Digman, he coaches MLQ. Luke Yeager, a lot of people on the um, intensity team. Danny's one of them. Refs, I, I know there are a few refs in specific. I'm like, yeah, you know, I like the ref style, and they do a good job and protect the players. I th- always thought Gramps did a good job, um, especially in our region. Who's, I don't who's, know. who's Gramps for the listeners? Matt, Matt, Matt Melton, in case nobody knows who Gramps <laughs> is. If you're if you're not from the Great Lakes and you don't know Gramps, I don't know what you're doing. Um, I always thought Gramps did a good job. I think Zeke coaches his team really well, and he does really good with recruiting. Uh, he's on Michigan Quidditch. Um, I think he's coaching senior this year. I looked up to Jeanette and um, Alex Birdie a lot last year. Birdie was pretty athletic, and I always was trying to compete with him. Um, and Jeanette, I feel like, did a really good job with her team last year. Allie, Marcus, of course, queen of intensity and uh, returner to Ball State. You know, she's helped me through a lot. You know, just, I feel like there's a lot of people out there. I don't know if you've ever refed a game, Dwyer, one of my games. I don't know if you're a head ref or not. So I, I, can't, I can't name you because we haven't played a lot together. I... <laughs> I refed for like five years before you even joined the sport. <laughs> I, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I I have since retired from refing. Uh, right. That's that's okay. You don't need to. I don't need to be the role model. It's all right. You named a lot of good people and a lot of people I admire too for a multitude of reasons. So that's awesome. All right. Our next question here comes from Ben Strauss. Where do you see Quidditch in five years or even ten? Um, bit of a yikes because uh, I see Quidditch going down two paths. I see it either continuing on the path it is now, or it's kind of stagnant. Um, there's a few reasons for that, but it either stays up or it goes down. You know, there's not. I feel like there's not a lot of in between. As much of a scary sight as that is to say and see, like that's kind of the reality we're in right now. You know, it, Harry Potter's kind of branched off into Fantastic Beast, and there's not been a single Quidditch scene, so it's not like new people are seeing Quidditch. Um, and it's hard to, you know, include newer people who haven't seen Quidditch or read Harry Potter, uh, to say, Hey, you know, come try this sport where we throw balls through hoops and there's run around on a broom, you know, it's not super enticing to a new person and it's hard to, it's a hard sell sometimes, but on the other hand, it is a very fun sport and the community has always been very welcoming. I would say more than other sports, um, so it does have that going for it. You know, there's, a, it's a bit, bit cloudy, I would say. Hard to tell where it's going to be. You know, I haven't, I haven't, I wasn't around when a Quidditch, you know, started get picking up and like, I, I, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to give that a specific date. I don't want to make people feel old or young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there, I wasn't around when it was really getting its legs under it. So it's hard to say if it's going to keep going up or go down. What do you think, Matt? Oh man, that is a it is a tough question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, the crystal ball is cloudy. I think in five years, I agree that we can be in a multitude of spots. I would like to believe that we get people excited about Quidditch. 
they get into the sport, we get them excited about playing in college, they stick around for the club scene for a while, maybe they're coaching a college team, they're refereeing, they're volunteering, and we have a healthy, thriving sport where a multitude of teams can play. I'd love to see, I know there's a lot of talk about conferences right now, I'm in talks myself about conferences in and around the Great Lakes and stuff like that. I'd love to see those th- those uh, made so that there is a more regular schedule. I think that's what we're going to see is more regular schedules because right now it's just kind of a hodgepodge of who's hosting a tournament when. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it, it, it has been a long-term frustration of mine for mm. many reasons. I also, I also think we'll see, in addition to that, we'll see some – division one and two splits and things like that we'll probably figure out how to have meaningful events where because this is always a thing if you've played on a good team uh, or if you've played on a bad team you know you're showing up to a tournament and you're going to blow everyone out until you get to the semifinals or the finals of the tournament and that'll be like your only challenge for the weekend or if you're a bad team you know you're just going to show up and get crapped on and that's it and neither of those are particularly fun. So I think we're going to have, we're going to start organizing ourselves better so that we can really get a better sense of competition and equal competition or more even keel competition. Uh, 10 years from now, oh man, the, the future is very clear. I have no idea. If you <laughs> no would have asked me in 2010 what Quidditch would be like in 2020, uh, well, I wasn't playing yet, but. Like, I don't know, if you would have showed me Quidditch in 2010 and, and been like, what does this look like in 2020? I I don't think I could have come close to this. I think we'll continue to move towards sportliness. I think it'll continue to be a more athletic thing. I think we'll continue to fall away from the Harry Potter thing. I could see in 10 years, I could see a rename in the sport, like Quadball or Quadraball. I'm pretty sure that's like the like Portuguese name or something is Quadraball, uh, something like that. Liz Barcelos. There needs to be a ball in the name. Is what yeah. I <laughs> Liz Barcelos, please correct me. Uh, yeah. Well, ball, like B-O-L. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Latin root. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 the positions might change. The balls might change. We might have different scoring systems. You know, we have like right now it's whoever catches the snitch. That's when the game ends. It could be more like uh, I could, we could see Quidditch move into like periods or perhaps a, I don't know, like the MLQ system. There's a lot of ways it can go. But I think it'll it'll be very different from what it is now. That's that's the most that I can say. But I, I do think it will be alive in 10 years. Things I don't see changing about the sport. I, I could say that. I, I don't think the shooting style will ever change because that's the most unique thing about the sport. From, what, from my position, playing a lot of sports growing up. The most unique thing is throwing the quaffle through the hoop because there's no other sport out there with three separate goals, even if they are on a line, where you can throw a ball through three different hoops and score the same amount of points. You know, that's not, it's just not anywhere else. Um, Clearly you haven't seen Cronum. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) I was some really weirdo, bizarro sport that came out of like Philadelphia or something. I don't know. I saw a video of it one time, but it was like, depending on there it was like a circular field and goals were like in like four different corners and depending on whether you threw or kicked the ball and from what zone on the field you were in 
uh, into the goal, and there were also like holes above the goal. I'll send you a video of this. It sounds it, disgusting. It it was really weird. Uh, I like I watched it a long time ago, but that's. I could, <laughs> the the biggest changes I could see ever come to the sport would be getting rid of brooms and it basically becoming tackle basketball. You so think we'll get rid of the brooms? Maybe down the line eventually. I don't want it to happen because I think it's neat. I think it's it's kind of zany and weird and it sets us apart. Hashtag keep Quidditch weird. Yeah, keep Quidditch weird. Um, but if we if they do want to make it more sporty, they want to make it more user friendly, less equipment then they have to get rid of the sticks eventually, which I don't really want. You know, I don't want that to happen. But, you know, if hockey was, like, played with a ball and there were no sticks, you know, it'd be a lot less expensive. <laughs> like, it's all, that's, all, that's all it is. This is true. Still got to pay for that ice time, though. Hey, say that's the, true. <laughs> the, sticks, the sticks are not the expensive part. It's, it's the rest yeah, it's of the like sport. like $215 a stick or something. Is it really? I've never it's played hockey. I have neither. Wow. Where's Luke Yeager when I need him? He played hockey? <laughs> yeah, he's he played hockey. Or he watches a lot of hockey, at least. I don't know if he played. Okay. All right. I'll <laughs> I'll have to hit him up and see. Or any any hockey-playing listeners out there. Yeah, any hockey, hockey knowledgeables. <laughs> yeah. Let us know what the most expensive... Maybe you know what the most expensive part is. What? Upkeep of that flow. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question comes to us from Scott Rain. Uh, share pros and cons for players contemplating trying out for MLQ. I don't think there's any cons. Try, I mean, you try out, you don't make it. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're scared of uh, get saying people saying no to you, I guess. But I think there's only pros. You know, you make the team, you get an experience. You can't trade for anything. You gain Quidditch knowledge. Um, even if you make practice squad, that's still time with some of the best people in your state or in your st- area that can play for your team. And I think not playing versus even trying out, or I think not trying out versus trying out is there's so much more pros than there are cons, and it would baffle me if you wouldn't try out for the team for it the team in your region. I agree. I don't think there are any cons either. I think at the absolute minimum is if you try out and you don't make it, you can see where you need to be. Like if you want to be competitive in this sport, if you know you need to reach a level that you're not at. You look at those other people in the tryout and you say, what can I do to be like that person? Yeah. And like for people like me, right, I want to be on Team USA one day. That's my ultimate goal. My my overarching goal in Quidditch is be on Team USA. And after that, I'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> after that, I'm done. I'll coach. I'm not playing anymore once I make Team USA. For for people like me who are grinders and they want to they want that experience, they want to be on a team that's really competitive. You have to do it. There's no other option. It's like when you take a break from anything, you're going to lose some of your skill. And MLQ is just another way for you to not take a break from Quidditch. I play year-round now because I'm on MLQ. I'm trying out for MLQ. Um, and hopefully when I make it, then you know I'll keep playing and keep putting that grind in. Yeah, it's definitely a calculation you have to make. I know personally a couple of years ago I took a summer off from MLQ because I would basically been playing for five or six years straight. And I also had a shoulder injury that I needed to, like, give some time. And so, uh, like, after coming back after that summer of not playing, it was like, oh, I might have I might have lost half a step here. Uh, just because all, you know, the people that I was on a team with, the people that I'm playing with that were my teammates for the USQ season, 
most of them had played MLQ and it's like, all right, I need to, they're in better shape than me. They're throwing better than me. They're making better cuts than me. I need to step it up. Chris LeCompte asks, you're the czar of Quidditch and people. The czar. The czar. The ruler. Yeah. How do you organize USQ, IQA, and MLQ to fit the needs of all levels? Recreational slash competitive, for fun, for glory, child, college, adult? How would teams be ideally organized? What rule sets would be used where? Um, I don't know if he's asking you that, asking you or me this. These, it's the mailbag. We can both okay. answer. Okay. I'll, we can, I'll we go can be f- collaborative czars. We can be co-czars. Can we be co-czars? Okay. Yeah. What, do, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> co-czars sounds like a fun, like, space thing. Like, you know, like, like quasars. Oh, or like, okay, I got you. Yeah, Kozars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we detected several Kozars from the Andromeda Galaxy. Yikes. Um, I don't know. I think how we are now is fine. I would create different a different rule book for you for uh, community and college for a few reasons. But I know a lot of people are against that. So that would be one of if I was the Czar of Quidditch and people, you know, I can do what I want. So different rule book would be made. I probably separate people into like D1, D2, like you were talking about, like a competitive, a more competitive league and a kind of a more fun league for people who liked, uh, you know, drinking and whatnot. Beer <laughs> um, league. Be- a beer league, if you will. Yeah. You know, I- I'd separate those from each other and put teams like Texas, uh, uh, you know, in this competitive league and teams like. Uh, who can I name that won't get offended? Brew City. Brew City. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the name. It's in the name, baby. <laughs> um, and the beer league, you know? And I feel like eventually we're going to have to have that if we want to keep being competitive and if we want team, you know, and if you want to get into the competitive league, then you need to prove it, you know? IQA, I, I don't really know anything about IQA. I got to be real. Um, I, I, it's a lot, it's intimidating and I'm just a little baby boy in college. So I try to try not to look too much into it. Um, cause I feel like I'll get frustrated if I start watching. Um, and MLQ, I think it's organization right now is okay. Um, I know we just like, they just collapsed those teams last year into three regions rather than four. And I felt like that was a good move. I would let teams collaborate a bit more with, uh, the MLQ leadership to decide their branding like i don't know why we're indianapolis intensity <laughs> I, I i couldn't I, tell you i i was like i i came to ali and i was like i got ideas we could be the race cars like we could be the velocity ali think about that we could have checkered flag shirts and i came up with this whole design and she was like unfortunately you know we can't do anything and i was like ah. <laughs> yeah i <laughs> i i know there is some reason you have like the Death Star as a logo. <laughs> it, it's like the seal of the seal it of Indianapolis of, or something. It reminds me of the Miami Heat logo a lot. A little bit, um, yeah. And I'm I look at it, especially the older one. That the, had, like, oh, the, the older one for sure. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't get it, right? Um, but I don't know. There, some stuff like that I would change, especially because MLQ is trying is trying to separate itself more and more. Um, and be like, you know, color coordinated and have teams all matching each other and whatnot. But um, that'd be the only thing. What rule sets would be used where? I would change a lot of rules, but that's just me. Um, and I can't really talk about them because they're potential rule book changes. 
So I'll leave it at that. Cryptic, tantalizing. Cryptic, cryptic tantalizing. I yeah. Know, I, know. I gotta keep you guys on the edge. Guess it. Uh, yeah, I I agree with some of what you said. Certainly, I definitely think there's got to be some place that people can just basically be like a permanent Merc team or like beer league or whatever and have competition. And there's got to be a place for the ultra competitive and a place for the whimsy too. IQA, man, I, I feel like I know enough to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but not enough (laughs) to actually know what I'm talking about. IQA is a level above me that I don't understand. I just get, you know, snippets here and there from international friends or people who have been involved with IQA, stuff like that. I will say, uh, this is, I will be very explicit. This is not Matt, the Great Lakes Regional Coordinator. This is Matt Dwyer, (laughs) Quidditch player and attendee of uh, the previous World Cup in uh, in Italy, it just needs to be better. It was it was a poorly run, poorly designed event. It was not good. And just like if we were to hold that quality of event in the United States, like like USQ players would lose their minds. It was <laughs> it was not good. So. Um. <laughs> that yeah. just needs to be better. Just one hundred percent fix that, and that fixes some of the problems. Um, it says you're the czar of Quidditch and people, so that means I can do what I want. I make a Quidditch style EA video game, and that way we could have a Pacific All Star team and an Atlantic All Star team, like in um, Madden, where you have like the All Star teams, like the all time greats, and like the the All Stars in the current league. So I could do something like that because I I think that'd be fun. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. Who is your like Bo Jackson then? You know, like the, oh. like the the old like Tech Mobile. Like you just play as Bo Jackson because he's always like the yeah, best yeah, yeah. player. Um, I can't say that because I don't know enough Quidditch history yet. I'm working on it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so I I won't say. I'll, I'll say I'm my own Bo Jackson. Okay. I'll, I'll make all my stats 99. And- <laughs> And then style on people. Yeah, put it. I, I feel like I feel like my stats would be Garbo, but then you'd put in a cheat code and they'd all go up to ninety nine. Yeah, there you go. You know, put in the Konami code and suddenly, like <laughs> everywhere I run, there's like fire behind me and yeah. Or no, I wouldn't be. Ru- what, okay, so would our Quidditch game? Would you be yeah, flying? You, no, no, no. You'd be running. Okay, it'd, so it'd be it would like just real be, life Quidditch. Yeah, real life. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right, all right. Like an EA style real life Quidditch game. Yeah. I'd like to have like an NBA jam style, like special meter or something. Oh, where you like make a, a sick dunk or something. Yeah. Where you're just, you can like jump from half court and just slam it in. Okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Pull some special moves. It's like, or like Tony Hawk's uh, pro skater or whatever. You pull the 900 while on your way to a dunk. <laughs> Or be pretty oh, crazy. Or just like you, you actually you you stand on top of your broom and it just glides. Yeah, like you really fly. <laughs> just like, do you ever play the old actual Quidditch World Cup video game? It was on like GameCube and PlayStation oh, yeah, yeah, Two and Xbox. About. Yeah, I've never played it, but I've seen a lot of gameplay from it, and it looks bad. It, <laughs> it was fun at the time. Yeah, but you, yeah, you could do like special moves if you had like a like some meter built up or something. You could like. I don't know, you pull off some move that you, like, score multiple times in a row or, like, I, I don't really remember. Most of them involve that. Like, you would, like, do something special with, like, a bludger or, or like, yeah. your teammates would all, like, swirl around you or something. Something crazy. For yeah. 
that would that would be a good use of uh of talent i think being the star of quidditch and people opens up a lot of possibilities it does it does i I would i would get all quidditch games televised too on espn espn 8 the ocho yeah (laughs) hey man there's nothing going on on espn right now they're just showing reruns of stuff and i mean they they got they got to film something yeah talking to colin coward and showing like league of legends I mean, all I mean, esports are going up because nobody else can do anything. So. They are, they are. It's great, and then, and then you got things like NASCAR where they have like their virtual races, and then someone in a virtual race before like they even start or whatever says a racial slur and gets like fired. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? How hard is it to not like say that language? Like, period. But it's like even especially on camera where you're being nationally televised. Yeah. That's wild to me. Know. Just crazy. That yeah, they would do that. <laughs> the last thing for Czar, I guess I, I would like if if it was like profitable somehow, like if it was MLQ, if it was profit. Well, if so, okay. If it was, if it if we were like full Czars, I would just go straight up like college and pro circuit, like different, like NCAA football oh, yeah. versus NFL, just yeah. straight cut. Yeah, um, I would too. And then, like, make, like, all the club teams or MLQ, like, franchises uh, Mm -hmm. that are, like, owned and, you know, like, they can control their own branding and and all that stuff. Uh, I think it's smart that MLQ, like, maintains branding. I would get people salaried. Hell yeah. (laughs) I want to see what... I feel like if if we were to do that, if we were to salary people to play Quidditch, like, if you were to give it the level of, like analytical detail that basketball or football get i feel like we would find exactly how broken the game is like, oh yeah everyone which is what i'm excited about yeah everyone, i want to see that happen <laughs> everyone knows quidditch is kind of broken but then you like every once in a while we get these rare gem athletes that like really point out how broken it is mm-hmm. and i feel like that would just exacerbate the issue tenfold well i mean but you got to remember there's going to be those kinds of athletes on both teams if we salary people that's true. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I it's. <laughs> I feel like it's. A, you're constantly chasing the rules to get things to be exciting and also fair and also safe. Oh, and if I'm the star of Quidditch, then I'm gonna let NCAA play, level players brand themselves, unlike the NCAA does now, where they can't make any money. I don't know if they changed that, but I know that used to be a big issue I had. Uh, they could. They they didn't make any money off their, off themselves. Yeah, the state of California passed a law like last year or this year about that. I don't know. I feel like other states have might have done the same. I don't know which ones. Maybe New York, but yeah, California was the forefront on that one. So they can make uh, money off their likeness. I think. Yeah. Is the... College players, you make all the money money you want, baby. All right. Our next question from uh, Jeanette High. How can us old folk be more inclusive to the younger generation? This was really the topic of the editorial, but a very pointed question. Yeah, this is a very pointed question. Um, I think uh, people like Jeanette did a really good job. Like uh, Ball State and Grand, Grand Valley had a lot of animosity, apparently, in the last like few years um, before I was on the team. Um, and like my freshman class, like we played with Grand Valley and we were like, oh, we love these guys. You know, they were like, really, they were like really chill and nice to us. And um, it's funny how that works. Yeah. Like it was just crazy that I was like, why do you guys hate Grand Valley? And they were like, man. And I was like, what does that mean? 
<laughs> you just you just don't like them? Like, what's wrong? So, I don't know. I think you just need to be nice and not be uh, judgmental of new people coming into the sport. And they will give you the same response. They will, uh, in turn, give you that same nicety. I think that's a really great suggestion. Uh, I hope to employ that personally to be able to make Quidditch a welcoming place because I want more people like you in it. I think that... Thanks, man. Just based on this conversation... I mean, I like you as a player. I enjoy watching you play. But just based on this conversation, to have someone so forward-thinking about their role and their leadership and getting involved and wanting to see change in the sport for the better so that they can best serve themselves and the team, that's great. I love seeing that. And, you know, I, I can only hope that there are many more people like you in the future. And our final mailbag question here comes to us from Chris LeCompte. What's the next thing to be eliminated so I can say, quote, I remember when I played with blank? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll bring full pitch sinking back or something. <laughs> I, oh gosh! I, I can't, I can't, I can't really say what uh, is next to be eliminated. Yeah, this um, is this is interesting. This is a bad question. For <laughs> this me. is a bad question for you. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we did talk about the brooms thing a bit. Uh, yeah. There, so there will be that will be a huge divide. Um, I, I, part of the thing is I don't think the brooms thing can ever happen because it would drive too many people away from the sport, right? I think there's too many people who want the brooms versus people who don't want them because i feel like everyone who doesn't want them just doesn't want them because it's like annoying they don't they're not super passionate about it like the people who do want them are so i don't think brooms will ever be a thing i could see getting rid of the the snitch play eventually that's not like a rules team thing either that's just me thinking that could happen one day you know i'm if i'm like a super senior on my team or something i'm like i remember when we played with uh you know snitches and seekers that are out there and you know catching under this amount of time was impressive or something like that yeah i don't know it's it's a hard thing for for me to say because i'm i kind of have the insider scoop on what's going to we're going to be done with and what's not going to be done with totally get that i want to turn this question around a little bit like what's the next thing to be added so i can say i remember when i played with blank I I think about sometimes, like, wh- how can we change the rules? How can we, like, you know, what can we experiment with? I was just thinking today, I was uh, unloading the equipment from my car finally at my parents' house because it's it's been living in there for a while and I don't need to yep. use it for a little bit. <laughs> I don't like it when I can't tell when a ball has or has not gone through the hoop. Uh, and I want to put, like, some kind of netting there somehow. Not like a Not like a sock, not like a closed netting, but more like some kind of like basketball netting uh, or something like something that's light enough that easily lets the ball pass through, but you can clearly see that the ball has passed through the hoop. Like I want something like that to be added and just get lasers. I think that's the, that's the idea. You get like lasers on the inside of the hoop. And well, how do you, you see? Well, how do you know whether the keeper stuck his arm through and the ball went through or see, then, then you got a problem. <laughs> There's, there's, I don't know. I think putting netting on would be like a lot. Cause what if it's windy? Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> one of my issues. Like I, we'd have to find out some way to do that. Or like, I've uh, thought about what if we added a fourth bludger and there was no such thing as like bludger control. It's just, everybody had two bludgers all the time. Yeah. And so think about like, how would that change the dynamic of offense versus defense 
like how would we have to change how like drives work because you can run in like bludgers blazing like two bludgers forward each time i wouldn't like it because it gets rid of one and a half uh but that's just my opinion that's true and and but does, that's the, that's does the only a, time when i beat that i get to tackle people so yeah but does the <laughs> should a, a rule be disallowed just because of a single strategy i don't know maybe <laughs> Who am I to say? You know, Uh, Uh, rules team Liam. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. There's just there there could be a lot. You know that we add. Like, what if we added um, smaller bludger sized and a different type of quaffle? What if we play start play with a handball? How would that change the sport? All good questions. But if it's uh, if it's an equipment thing, you know, it's probably not super likely because people don't want to buy new equipment. Right. And I can't think of a lot that we could add that wouldn't be an equipment thing. Maybe no contact, then it would be pretty boring. Yeah, I've I have played some no contact Quidditch. We had it at Miami for like intramurals for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't allowed to tackle in intramurals. So it was all kind of like basketball contact. It's not good. Yeah, it's not, not fun. It basically like your beaters become like super powerful. And so oh, yeah, if they... you if you don't have bludger control and no contact then so maybe yeah. so maybe we do those two in tandem we take yeah. away contact but we add a, a, a fourth bludger mm-hmm. and so like you, that that is all of your team's defense and everything else is like basketball contact I think beaters in the sport right now are already super strong um, but that's just my how I see the sport um, I agree. The ability to take someone completely off the pitch for up to like seven seconds is an insane ability to have if you think about it in the terms of how long can you put someone out of the play. Make it, It's like making a block in football or setting a pick in basketball, right? You're stopping something from happening uh, with one action, right? Um, and anytime you can do that, low risk, high reward, then it's usually worth it. Um, and as a chaser, you know, there's not a lot you can do. Thank you all very much for sending in your mailbag questions. If you would like to send some in for the next episode, take a peek at the episode post that we have on the USQ Great Lakes Region page on Facebook. Now we'll take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk some off-topic conversation. And we are back. Matt, Liam, so how... Are you surviving quarantine? How are you staying sane? Hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm working through it, doing my, my rules team meetings. Um, I talked about this a little before the podcast started, but uh, what I've been doing is I take my Quidditch hoop that I have and I put it in the middle of a discus ring that has netting on the outside. So when I throw a ball through the hoop, it doesn't go like across the field. It just hits the net and then I can go scoop it up and after I'm done throwing and get back to it. You know, stuff like that. I work out like every other day. Prepping for MLQ is probably why I'm staying pretty sane. But I'm a pretty people-oriented person, so it's it's hard for me. You know, I can't I can't see my buds, can't kiss the homies goodnight, um, stuff like that. You know, it's it's rough. Absolutely, I think you're you're doing better. You're definitely doing better than me. I have <laughs> been pretty stagnant since I've been parked at home. Uh, not yeah. really doing a whole lot of exercising. So I think you'll be very prepared when you uh, MLQ comes around. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. Hope I make it. That's all. I, <laughs> that's I think where I'm you at will. Right now. I think you'll do a good job. 
You, you do have some stiff competition for that team, though. I will say that. I do. We do. It's uh, it's always an experience. So, what type of media are you consuming uh, during this time? Types of media I'm consuming. Um, I've been watching a lot of shows. You know, I, I just watched this show called All American. It's inspired by this football player who came from the hood and then moved to Beverly Hills, where his pseudo father figure was coaching um and he's trying to get into the nfl he gets i'm not going to spoil anything but he has an injury in the second season and it's a shoulder injury and i hadn't cried up to this point and there's been a lot of heart touch moments and at the end of the season like he can't feel his hand and he like drops a glass and i cried because i was like bro that's me because i've done that before where i couldn't feel my hand and i dropped a glass so that that's kind of I'm I watching sports shows, you know. I'm watching Quidditch film. I watch a lot of Twitch streamers. What are you watching yeah. on Twitch? Uh, right now I'm watching Valorant. It's the CS:GO type game. It's just out. It's made by the people who made League of Legends. If y'all know what that is, watching. Oh gosh, there's so much I'm watching. Uh, Overwatch um, League, which is the pro scene for the Overwatch game. Uh, I'm watching my film to get to... I'm making a highlight reel for myself um, with all my tackles, and it's going to be to the tune of Here Comes the Boom. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is uh, I, <laughs> this is your Boom Train highlight video, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's just me, you know? Um, and I, I was going to send it to um, for my intensity trial, but then they were like, no highlight reels. And I was like, ah, well, I'm just going to... I'm already halfway through making this, so... Um, so that's where, what I've been doing, what I've been up to. How about you? What are you, what, what kind of media are you consuming? Oh, no one's ever asked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, of course, of course. I've been, yeah, I've been watching some TV, some YouTube. Uh, I just got caught back up on Archer. I realized I was a couple seasons behind on that. So I just watched the last few seasons. Really enjoyed those. Uh, have you seen Bojack Horseman? I have not. It is on my list. I just got an an app called TV Time to like keep track of all the shows so you can like mark off episodes as you watch them. It tells you like Ooh. what platforms the uh show is on and got it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, but so I finally like converted the list I just had going in a notes app to this thing and just like scrolling through like, "Oh damn, this is a lot. This is a <laughs> lot of shows." Yeah. Uh I've been keeping up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've seen quite a few episodes. It's very good. I recommend it. Yeah, I feel like I've been... I've just been like... I Actually, what I've been doing is going through my YouTube watch later list and then finally <laughs> starting to watch those. Straight up, I have things on that list from like 2014. Oh, God. Yeah, just stuff that I just saved to the list and then never ended up watching. Or it was, you know, whatever. You could tell like what my like fixation was at the time yeah uh it's it's never like weird stuff it's always just like oh how to do this like like certain play style in rpg maker which is some like uh like video game engine thing for like making rpgs easily and so i mean i have i haven't touched rpg maker in five years uh, (laughs) but i had a lot of videos on my watch later list for like you know how to do this type of system and stuff like that so yeah, Good that's stuff. that's been interesting. I've been it's gotten me into like some like random skateboarding videos recently. <laughs> like I just watched a documentary about Rodney Mullen. That was pretty sick. Okay. Yeah. I I like I knew he was influential in skateboarding, but I didn't realize how much. Like he straight up invented like most skateboarding tricks. Yep. 
Um, I only know him because I watched uh, a lot of Rob Deerdeck's Fantasy Factory. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I remember hearing about it. It, that's just, Rob from Robin Big, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big's also in it. Um, and they just like, he's just like has a bunch of money. So he built, he took this warehouse and just built a skate park in it and a bunch of other stuff. And they just do like crazy stuff all the time. That sounds pretty cool. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go find that somewhere and watch that <laughs> next. It's all right. It, it's real good. I would, I would recommend it. If you've ever b- bought any young and reckless clothing, uh, his cousin, I think it's Big Cat. He he started that clothing brand. I've never heard is, of that, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if you had or not, so I, I I figured I'd plug it. Some some youngins might know. All right, as we start shutting this one down, uh, do you have any words of wisdom you want to give to the Quidditch community? I don't know. Stay safe during this awful time. Uh, I know it sucks, but we'll be able to play Quidditch again eventually. You know, get yourself ready for the oncoming MLQ season. And if you're not doing that, you know, stay, stay healthy for USQ. Uh, and you know, always, always be kind to each other. You can't, can't go wrong with that. Very good. I love it. Uh, where can the fine people find you on social media? You can find me everywhere at pandas on ice, which is uh, capital P O I. Um, some of those platforms, it's going to be underscore pandas on ice. You'll find me. It's not going to be hard. My tag name is usually Liam. So you can follow me on Twitch. That'd be cool. I'm always on that grind too. What are you streaming on Twitch? Uh, I stream a few things. I do Quidditch VOD reviews sometimes for um, my bad. Quidditch film reviews. Uh, <laughs> we talked about this earlier too, but um, yeah, Quidditch film. I look at, uh, I play Valorant, play Minecraft sometimes with my friends. You know, we do all kinds of stuff. So just come on out and drop a follow. You don't even have to watch. If you just press follow, that helps the stream. Awesome. Thank you. We'll definitely check it out. And now for a signature sign off. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how, how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, my my now uh, long running. I'll call it long running now of three episodes segment where I want I prompt people for a signature sign off with nothing else, and then they like give me something stupid or like I I don't know what to say. Ali Marcus just gave me five seconds of silence. This has been Matt and Liam, and we're signing off. <laughs> Beautiful. That's great. Except it's weird that it's your signature sign-off, but you specifically mentioned me. So, yeah, it's, it's all right. I didn't, I didn't know it was supposed to be my signature sign-off. I, just thought, <laughs> I thought it was yours, and I was just doing it. I might. I keep on joking that I'm going to like get rid of or retool this segment. I think I'm actually going to retool this segment <laughs> for the next time. It's funny to me and probably no one else. <laughs> well, Liam, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me for this edition at home of Homes at Home. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Okay, we've introduced. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah we can cut that out. Sorry, it hasn't been publicly announced. I, I was like, ah. Uh, uh, sorry sorry that's my bad that's my bad